Sometimes we think that we can make peace between, well, the flesh and what God wants us to do. That determination to pursue that thing that we want and what God truly wants us to do would be surrendered to Him. And so when we try to make peace between Jesus and the King of Self within us, the result is a long, bitter war. It's a back and forth, back and forth. There's no peace. There's no peace. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Pastor Mark continues his teaching series through the book of 2 Samuel. He'll be reminding us that we can't serve two masters. We will hate the one and love the other. It simply doesn't work trying to follow the Lord and also trying to fulfill our own plans and lusts of our flesh. Jesus wants to sit on the throne of your heart and be the Lord and master over your entire life. If you're not willing to give your whole self over to the Lord, you simply haven't surrendered yourself over to His Lordship. Jesus doesn't allow any middle ground. He says very clearly in Revelation that those who are lukewarm, he will vomit out of his mouth. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 2 with today's edition of Come Alive. Look at verse 12. It says, Now Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Mahanim to Gibeon, and Joab, the son of Zariah, the, and the servants of David, went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. And so they sat down one on one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. Man, let me just say, this is like one of the, in my mind, this is like one of the coolest scenes. It should be a movie. Anyway, just thought I'd let you know that. Then Abner said to Joab, let the young men now arise and compete before us. And Joab said, let them arise. Remember when David walks up to bring his brother some cheese and bread and, you know, some lunch? And there's this giant in this valley making fun of the armies of Israel. And so Goliath says, hey, send down one champion. And whoever wins, well, the winner will take the loser home, basically. And, you know, just so there's not a lot of bloodshed. And that that seems like a very smart way to do battle, right? I mean, just think about it. If we were going to war with somebody, we'd say, you know what? We're going to pick our toughest dude. So we're going to send Eric out there. Well, maybe not Eric. But we'll send our toughest guy, another one, second one, and we'll send them out there. Because if the first one loses, then we're going to need our toughest guy. But we'll send the toughest guy out there. Let's use Eric. We're going to throw him out there. And if he beats up your guy, then if Eric wins, we win. We win as a whole. But if Eric dies, none of us die. And, well, too bad. Sorry, Danielle, you don't get married. You lost Eric. So hopefully he wins. So this is kind of the idea. We'll just take 12 guys from our side, take 12 guys from your side, and we'll let them battle it out. And whoever wins, wins. Sounds like a great idea. But it gets crazy. Verse 15. So they arose and went over by number, 12 from Benjamin, followers of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and 12 men from the servants of David. And each one grasped his opponent. Now this is where like, there should have been some type of rule. You know, to throw in there. You can't just hold on and start stabbing each other. 
because this is what happens. And each one grabs his opponent by the head. So you got to see if I'm right-handed. I got my buddy, the guy I'm fighting, by the back of the head, and I'm ready to go. I got my big knife, sword, whatever it is. And on the count of three, me and this guy just start stabbing each other. Somebody didn't think this out very well. Right? He's just like, so you got 24 dead people. They hope fall and die. And you got these two guys looking at each other going, now what? Now what? So it says, they grabbed the opponent and they fell down together. Therefore, that place was called the field of sharp swords. Should have been, never mind. I got a whole different name for it, which is in Gibeon. So there was a very fierce battle that day. I really wonder how fierce it was. And Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. So here's what happens. It doesn't let us in on the real good details, but so all these 24 guys fall. And so the army see this, and they're probably like, "Uh uh-oh, let's go. And everybody grabs their swords, and there's this fight. And Abner's guys, well, they lose. They lose. So there's this constant division between the north and the south, Here we see a military meeting of the minds. Twelve guys from each side were to confront each other. And and the side with the most men standing would be declared the winner. And again, you know, that same very thing happens with David and Goliath. So the armies look around. They jump to their feet. They battle. And Judah wins. In verse 18, it says, Now the three sons of Zariah were there. Zariah being David's sister. Uh, It says the three sons of Zariah were there. Joab. Uh, Abishai and uh, Asahel, and Asahel was as fleet, or he was fast as a wild gazelle. So, I mean, this guy must be able to move. Look at verse 19. It says, so he pursued Abner, and going, he did not turn to the right hand or to the left from following Abner. Now, this is where it gets funny, for me anyway. You got two dudes, one chasing the other guy, and this guy decides to have a a conversation. Says verse 20, then Abner looked behind him as he's running, probably. Are you Asahel? Glad to meet you. My name's Abner. I'd shake your hand, but you're trying to kill me. And he answered, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right or to your left and lay hold on one of the young men and take his armor for yourself. But Asahel would not turn aside from following him. So here's the situation this guy sees Abner. I mean, any, any, I don't know about you ladies because I can't think like a woman, but I know for me, if I was out in a battle and I saw the general, wouldn't it be an awesome thing to take that dude down and walk back to your general and say, look what I got? I mean, we, don't we do this when, if you hunt? Look how many points are on this animal's horns, right? Or look how big. And so we want the biggest, we want the best, we want the baddest, we want to show, it says we're mad. And so this is what this guy does. He wants to be a man, and so he starts chasing Abner. Abner and him are having a conversation as they run. Man, I don't know how they do that, because I can't even run and think. Except for, God, kill me. Please kill me when I run. Unless I'm still in the television, and then I'm like the fastest guy out there. But I hadn't stolen one. So they have this conversation as they're running. And so he wants to take Abner. So Abner's like, hey, bro, just get one of these guys and take their armor. Uh, that'll be good enough. Abner seems like a pretty logical kind of a guy. And so the pressure and the confusion of the battle, this guy gets close enough to Abner, the commander of Ishobeth's army, and it comes down to a simple foot chase. And if this guy probably would have caught up to him, he would surely kill him. That's, what, that's his thought. That's his thought process. If I can get close enough, 
This is what I want. If I can get there, this is my desire. If I can get there, I'm going to kill this guy. I'm going to win. I'll be victorious. Nothing's going to stand in my way because I'm going to get this guy, and it's mine, 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 all mine. So Abner warns him, don't do it. Don't do it. The armor was going to be a trophy for this young man. Verse 21. And Abner said to him, turn aside to your right hand or to your left and lay hold of one of the young men and take his armor for yourself. But Asahel would not turn aside from following him. So Abner said again, second warning, second warning, Asahel, turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? Verse 23, however, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with the blunt end of the spear so that the spear came out of his back and he fell down there and died on the spot. Man, two, two almost three chances. And, and I don't think Abner really wanted to kill him because, I mean, Abner, if he really wanted to do some quick death damage, I mean, he knew which end of the spear to use. He probably just used that blunt end to try to stop him, to stick it out there and just cause him a little pain, knock him down and be like, don't get up. It'd be better if you don't get up, flip his spear around, hold it on his throat. Don't get up. I will kill you. Because that would be sensible. I mean, you know, I'm thinking if I was this guy, I'd probably be chasing him too, thinking I'm going to win. I'm in the heat of the battle, pumped, got adrenaline rushing through me. And this guy's warning me like, who are you, old man? I'm going to kill you. Oh, no, no, you don't want to do it. No, 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 I'm going to do it because I'm running after you. If, I, if you weren't, if you were so tough, why are you running, right? Don't do it. You might as well go get one of theirs because it's going to be rough when I stop. You're, you're flirting with death. You know, Abner probably said something like, hey, I'm not going to stop you, but I'm going to sure break you of the habit. And so he turns around, probably tried to use the blunt end of the spear and just like, hey, I'm just going to knock you down. And this guy was moving so fast, so determined to get the prize. Well, that thing goes all the way through him and he dies on the spot. How are we like that? How many of us have chased something that we know better, that we've heard warning after warning and in our mind, we, we just want it. I want that thing. I got to have it. Maybe, maybe it's a, a job that, you know, I got to have it because I, all I can see is the money sign. But I, I, I'm not thinking it through to the logical conclusion because, man, you know, with all that money, my family would be, and then you lose your family. And now you have all this money and kind of hard to hug money. Doesn't hug back. It, it doesn't provide a whole lot other than what you think it will. But, and even then it doesn't because you're always in need of something. Maybe it's the big house or the cool car. Yeah, if I just had it and I've got it all worked out that we'll make, and then all of a sudden something happens and, well, now we can't afford it. Maybe it was that relationship that people warned you about. Hey, that guy's not good for you. Don't, don't hook up with that guy. Don't hook up with that girl. No, 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 you don't understand. It's different this time. He'll quit hitting me. He'll stop drinking. He said he loved me. And that blunt end of the spear hits you. The blunt end of the spear, it's very, very painful. Very painful. And it ends up in a death. Maybe the death of a relationship. Death of a job. Death of your family. Death of something. Something dies. Maybe not a physical death, but something will die. And so that's what happens here. So Abner appealed to this guy on the grounds of military honor. That officers shouldn't strike down officers, especially when it might lead to ugly retribution and the danger of leaderless armies. And yet this guy refuses to turn aside. He refuses to turn aside. Abner's plea didn't work, though it should have. But he was this kid, 
too single-minded. Too single-minded in his determination to kill Abner and crush the armies opposing David. That's a good guy you want on your side. Somebody that won't stop fighting for you. But there's a smarter way to fight. Just because you stop that day and you regroup doesn't mean you're a coward. It just means you're smart to regroup and think things through so you can defeat that enemy the next time he opposes you. And so it was very intense. This guy's desire was so intense and it wasn't going to stop him. His motto could have been, and it probably was plastered on his back, I'm going to die trying. And he did. See, if the goal is for personal gain or stubbornness, it can be very costly and cause a lot of disunity. Personal gain and stubbornness. Uh, Standing on this side of this podium, I've seen a lot of that. Sit in my office for a week or two, and you'll see a lot of stubbornness, and you'll see a lot of stuff that happens for dishonest gain, but you don't understand. This is what I want. It eventually comes out. We've been praying for the Lord to bless us and do this and do that. What's the Bible say? Sometimes Satan comes and disguises himself as an angel of light, as an angel. Who doesn't like to look at an angel? But he comes and he disguises himself, just like he did with Eve in the garden. I mean, what girl would sit there and talk to a snake if that snake was really ugly? Or, you know, I, I love the, the around Halloween time, people always see, you see these kids dressed up in a red suit with horns. I mean, it's like, for real? You think Satan's going to dress like that? You'd see him coming from a mile away. And a lot of guys, a lot of girls wind up falling for the angel of their dreams. It turns out to be the devil in disguise. Because they were so single-minded and stubborn, determined to get their way, what they wanted. Couldn't see any other way around it. They even named it love. And you always hear, well, we just fell out of love. You don't fall out of love. Love is a commitment. Because if you could fall out of love, then it would be easy for you to fall out of love with your children. Any parents in here ever fall out of love with your kids? One? Only him. And it was his parents that fell out of love with him. So, yeah, but no, nobody's ever fallen out of love. I mean, it doesn't matter how bad they are. I mean, think about that. Little kid, what other person would hold a kid that just blows up in his diaper, that smell? You love him so much, you're willing to deal with that nastiness for a moment. And you're even willing to help clean him up. No, that's love. That's real love. I got a funny story. I have an employee. He was sick one day. Couldn't make it to the bathroom in time. I don't. If it was my son, I would have gone out and picked him up and let him ride in my car. I told that guy, put a trash bag on, tie it around your waist, and walk home. <laughs> no, I, I, told, I told my guys, I said, throw him in the back of the truck. Don't let him in the front. Take him home. Let him get cleaned up. But his mom loved him enough to help him into the door and help him get cleaned up so he doesn't lose a whole lot of time from work. That was his mom. That was love. I wasn't his dad. I kept on thinking, how long is it going to take you, bro? And how old are you that you didn't know that you needed to go potty? But, you know, people get sick. That's real love. That's what real love is. And so, you know, again, don't be stubborn. Don't be stubborn. When people love you, 
people might be telling you, hey, you know, stop. Stop. I think Abner just had the best in mind for this guy. Hey, bro, it's going to be bad, but I got to defend myself. I love me more than I love you. And so when it comes down to it, who, one of us is going to die, and it's not going to be me if I can help it. Right? Remember the, the illustration we use? If there was a child molester out there, and, and your kids are out there playing, and you knew and that this guy was going to kill him and harm him, your love would kick in enough to hurt that person if he grabbed one of our children. That's love sometimes. Hey, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't touch him. Look at verse 24. Joab and Abishai also pursued Abner. So now they're upset. Their brother's dead. It was because of his hard-headedness. He didn't listen. And so they start to pursue Abner. And it says, And the sun was going down when they came to the hill of Amma, which is before Gia, by the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. And now the children of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner and became a unit and took their stand on top of a hill. This had to be a great sight. Come running up, you're chasing them, and it doesn't mean just these two brothers, but it's these armies that are coming, motivated now even more to avenge the death of their brother. These two are chasing Abner. Look at verse 26. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? And how long will it be then until you tell the people to return from pursuing their brethren? And Joab said, As God lives, unless you had spoken surely, then by morning all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. And so here Joab blew a trumpet, and all the people stood still. They did not pursue Israel anymore, nor did they fight anymore. And then Abner and his men went on all that night through the plain, crossed over the Jordan, and went through Bithron, and they came to Mahanaim. And so here, Abner once again proves to be a little more mature than than most. So when his armies were in full retreat and ready for a final do-or-die standoff, and when two angry brothers wanted blood revenge, Abner found it easy to make the, can't we all just get along plea? Can't we all just get along right here? Because, I mean, what's going to happen? And you got to think, when the tribe of Benjamin showed up, these guys might have been a little more fresh than the tribe of Judah. And so it was certainly to Joab's advantage to give peace a chance. So Joab avoids a long, bloody civil war. Look at verse 32. So Joab returned from pursuing Abner, and when he had gathered all the people together, there were missing of David's servants, 19 men, and Asahel. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin and Abner's men 360 men who died. That's a pretty big number. 19, 360. Winner is Judah. It's simple to see that. And so Abner and the army of, of Ishbosheth sheth lost 360 men to 20 in the army of David. And, and so, again, if we look at this, and we're going to see it again, um, continue on, it says, but in verse 31, but the servants of David had struck down, I mean, I'm sorry, verse 32, then they took up Asahel and buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night, and they came to Hebron at daybreak, Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. This shows how wrong it was for Joab to accept Abner's appeal. A long war. It makes sense. Let's give peace a chance. Why can't we all just get along? Uh, but it was, a, it was a wrong move. 
to accept that appeal for a ceasefire in the battle of the field of sharp swords. The fact was that they couldn't just get along and that there could be no peace between the rightful King David and the pretender to the throne, Ishbosheth. And so the, there's no way. So the ceasefire seemed to make things better, but only, it only made things worse, and it caused the long war. See, sometimes we think that we can make peace between, well, the flesh and what God wants us to do. That determination to pursue that thing that we want and what God truly wants us to do would be surrender to him. And so when we try to make peace between Jesus and the king of self within us, the result is a long, bitter war. It's a back and forth, back and forth. There's no peace. There's no peace. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's so much better just to surrender at some point to the rightful king and say, okay, here, and throw up your hands and say, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. And so in the lives of many Christian people today, there's raging literally a civil war. The flesh, the kingdom of Saul, struggles with the spirit, the kingdom of David. And and the conflict is very, very bitter. And so we do everything we possibly can to hold up that tottering kingdom of self so that it might exist just a bit longer. It's a tough life. If only we could preserve some of our rights. If only we could have at least just part of our own way. I mean, God, you love me enough to at least do that, don't you? And he goes, no, 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 I love you enough to tell you that's not the way to do it. Can I keep this? Can I have this? And we're willing to do it at sometimes at any cost. It could be at the cost of a relationship or, like we said, a job or whatever. You fill in your own blank. See, we feel we must bolster up this kingdom of self that we can't let ourselves be crucified with Christ, but in reality, that's the better way to kill the flesh. David grew stronger and stronger. The increasing strength of David and the increasing weakness of Saul's house really didn't begin when Saul died. A lot of people would think that. Oh, once that leader died, it got bad. Life was horrible. Oh, life got horrible for the kingdom of Saul when God first chose David and withdrew his spirit from Saul. Life can get bad for you and I when God says, hey, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and If you want self so much, I need to start withdrawing my spirit from you. Lord, I used to be so powerful in these things. I used to do so well with this. Well, it's either me or you. Either you surrender or we can continue to battle. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. 
We are a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.